Welcome to New Life Miami, and thanks for listening to our podcast. We hope this word blesses you today. For more information, visit nlmiami.com. We hope to see you soon. And remember, you are loved. Thank you for joining us today. Amen, amen, amen. Today, uh, I want to share a word that, that God spoke to me. It's, it's cool because, you know, God speaks so, in so many different ways, how when, especially when you're used to preaching every single week. Like, all right, the Lord, like which word is for me and which word is for the church? And all these, you can imagine what goes through, through our brains. So every once in a while, pray for your pastor and pray for pastors because they got to hear from, from the Lord every single week. And um, um, sometimes, um, you know, we just, we just launch arrows, man. We just, hopefully it hits bullseye. And um, hopefully we're doing a good job uh, which, hitting the target. Amen. Are we hitting the target? Yeah. You didn't convince me. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't think, um, I don't think I'm excited yet to preach it. So um, last week we were blessed by having our, our, our awesome Tito uh, share the word. How many of you were blessed by that? Amen. That was good. And um, today as I was, I was reading, then you'll hear me... Um, Actually, go into it. I'm, I'm going to go into it. It's uh, on King Asa. And when I was reading on him, God really spoke to my heart. And uh, I had a meeting this week. And that meeting basically confirmed that I needed to preach that message. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to share a message. And, and if you're taking notes, you go ahead and write this down. It's only, it's only three words. It's a great, uh, quick, catchy title. Here it is. Are you ready? Watch how awesome this is. He is... Near. Pretty good, right? You can remember that forever. He is near. Look at the person next to you and tell him he is near. He is near. He is near. Some of you guys stay looking at me. Uh, He is near. He is near. He is near. He is near. Isn't that good to hear sometimes that he is near? Isn't that good? I I don't know about you guys, but there there are moments where I just need to be assured that he is near. Hey, I'll put it this way. Have you ever walked in this walk and just felt like, where's God? One person. (laughs) Doubt it. Two people. Where are you, God? Because I don't feel you so near to me like the Bible says you are. Anyone here? Where's God? So we pray and, and Lord, show yourself to me. And, and then our, our, our prayers feel like they just hit the ground. It didn't, it didn't hit anything. Ever felt like your prayers just never hit anything? Today, uh, me- today's message is he is near. Before we get into the meat of this stuff, you know, many times we've preached this, and preachers have preached this, and, not, and have said this, or you've heard this said, or have heard this preached, and it's this, ready? That we are to draw near to God. How many of you have heard that? That someone's told you, you got to draw near to God. You've ever heard that before? Hopefully you have, because it's in the Bible. Okay. You have to draw near to God, and I definitely agree with that. Please, whatever you do, whatever you do, do not take anything that I'm trying to do today out of context of of what I mean here. You definitely, and I agree with this, have to draw near to God. Actually, James chapter 4 verse 8 says to draw near to God and he will draw near to you. So, so it's scripture, it's, 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 it's there, it's evident. We need to draw near. And the Lord does require and he does ask us to, to draw near. But, but I feel... And please listen to this. I feel like so much energy and so much effort is spent on trying to 
to draw near to God and to tell others to draw near to God that we miss something so special, so important, actually so beautiful. And that is to find rest and to be assured and to know this and, and focus that the Lord is actually near to us. Because we could drive people nuts with saying what? Draw near to God. But we could also do a spin on it and also say what? Do you know that, that the Lord is near to you at this moment of your life? He's so near that all you need to do is just call on him once and he's there. He's waiting for it. He's near. He, he's, he's present. He is aware, focused that the Lord is near. And, and the Bible teaches that if you are among the righteous, if, if you are among the believers, if you are among the crowd of people that follow Christ, then, then the Lord is near to you. And the Lord is present to you. Any amen? He's there. He's there. And, and if you're one of those that say, well, I really have not felt him in a long time. I'm just going to today tell you, well, I know you haven't felt him. And I know you don't feel it. But I'm telling you right now, this morning, he is near. Nearer than you could even imagine. Nearer than you could think. He's actually right there on you. He's near. He's near. That we could be going through hell and high water. But focus, he is near. Say that with me. He is near. He is near. That we can be hurt and broken but give attention for he is near. We can be confused and lost or, or feel out of place but focused because he is near. We could be tired and weary and short of breath in this life but rest. Know this, that he is near. You, maybe you've been betrayed and walked out on. Maybe you've been taken advantage of but know this, he is near. He's near. And maybe you fit one of those qualifications. And maybe you're there like, man, this is for me. I definitely needed to know that, that the Lord is near today. You know, in the book of Isaiah, it's interesting because we look into a part of Israel's life and Israel's time where it was very difficult. It was a very difficult time for them. A very difficult time for the children of Israel. Isaiah, let me kind of give you a little bit of, of history here. Isaiah would actually serve as a prophet to Israel, to the people of God. And as he would serve as a prophet, he would warn the people of God's dealings with them. And, and the problem with Israel was Isaiah began to warn them because they needed to turn to God. Because there was things in their lives that, that weren't correct. There was wrong in their lives. There was sin in their lives. So I'm going to walk you through this for a moment. He first warns them of a war that they would face with, the, with a group of people called the Assyrians. And, and he tells them, these Assyrians, they're going to come and you're going to fall to the Assyrians. Actually, it was pretty devastating, especially the northern part of Israel. But then that wasn't it. He comes again and he warns them of another empire called Babylon. You ever heard of Babylon. And he tells them that Babylon is also going to come. And this new empire is going to sweep your nation, our nation. They're going to sweep your king, your temple, and your every way of life. And Babylon comes into Israel and sweeps their nation, sweeps their king away, sweeps their way of life, and sweeps their temple away. Everything was gone from Israel. Everything was gone. Everything. How do you think they felt? 
Kind of sucky, huh? Kind of sucky, huh? How do you think they felt? Bad. Distant. Where's God? Everything has been taken from us. Church, temple has been gone. Our people have been gone. You see, they would, they would take the families away from one another. Husbands would not see wives anymore. Children would not see mom and dad no more. They would just come into the homes and take them. You're going to go to this part of Babylon and you're going to go to this part because Babylon was, was spreading as an empire. And, and many of the Jewish people would never see each other again. Very similar, very similar to what happened in Holocaust. Okay, imagine how they felt. Everything gone. So now the people are in Babylon and they're in exile. And they're in a country that they don't know with a people and with customs and religions that they do not know. And they're treated harshly on top of that. Treated harshly. So what do they do? They do what they, what man could do best. They begin to complain. And they begin to whine because things are difficult for them. And, and, and as things get difficult, listen to this. As things get difficult, guess what it does? It now causes them to lose focus. You've ever had a difficult moment in your life and it's caused you to lose focus? It's very easy to keep on track and stay focused when everything is well. But as soon as something discouraging comes, as soon as everything is gone, it's very easy to lose focus on that which God has called you to. Yeah? And that's where they're at. Everything is taken, so they begin to complain and they begin to whine. They, they lose focus. They, they lose rest. They, they lose the trust in the Lord, the one that was always there for them. I mean, always proved himself for them. So what does Isaiah tell them in the, in the middle of their complaining, in the middle of their whining? The worst thing is to hear truth in the middle of your whining, isn't it? In the middle of your complaining to hear the truth. That's not what I wanted to hear. I wanted you just to feed into my complaints. I wanted you just to, to feed into my whining. That's a bad leader if, if they just feed into your complaints. A good leader is, hey, stop complaining. Get up. Can't you see what the Lord has done? Let, let, me, let me tell you what I mean. Isaiah chapter 40. I'm going to read verses 27 through 31. Just listen to these words. Read them with me. And if your translation is a little bit different, you could read it on the screen with me as I read this passage from the message. It says, Isaiah to Israel. Why would you ever complain, O Jacob? Jacob was Israel. The nation of Israel was called Jacob. Jacob was their forefather from Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Why would you whine Israel saying, listen to this, God has lost track of me. God has lost track of me. He doesn't care what happens to me. Don't you know anything? Haven't you been listening? God doesn't come and go. Look what it says next. God, God laughs. He, he's creator of all you can see or imagine. He doesn't get tired out. He, he doesn't pause to catch his breath. He knows everything inside and out. He energizes those who get tired. He gives fresh strength to dropouts. Any dropouts in the house? Amen. God gives fresh strength to dropouts. And all the dropouts say, Amen. all right. Yeah. That's a church of dropouts. You better believe it because he gives strength to the dropouts. For even young people tire and drop out. 
young people, you stay in school, man. You listen to me now. Don't get no You see, mom, pastor said that I could drop out. <laughs> you definitely just created heresy in your heart. That's not what I meant by that. All right, let's go back to this. Even young folk in their prime stumble and fall. Here it is. But those who wait upon God, they get fresh strength. Say fresh strength. They spread their wings and they soar like eagles. They run and they don't get tired. They walk and they don't lag behind. I'll, I'll read it from the New King James. That's what I read at home. It says this. He gives power to the weak. And to those who have no might, he increases strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary. And the young men shall utterly fall. But, li- but, but everyone say but. Those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up on wings or with wings like eagles. And they shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. How many of you could say amen? Amen. Those who wait. Write that down in your notes. Those who wait. What in the world does that mean? Those who wait. Those who wait. Ever felt like I've just been waiting for a very long time already? Huh? I, I... if, I, if, you, if you tell me to wait one more time, I, I just feel like I can't wait anymore. You ever felt like you just can't wait anymore? I just can't wait anymore. This passage says, but those who wait, those who wait, those who wait, on the Lord will renew their strength. That phrase, those who wait, is such an important phrase and it's, and it's, and it's taken out from what it really means so many times. When you look at this phrase, those who wait, I, I need you to understand this. That phrase is talking about that there is a patience that is built in you. A, a better word that I'm going to describe it in is this, ready? That there is a trust, there is a trust that is built in you. There is a patient trust that is in you in whatever it is that God has called you to wait for. The word wait there is not a a call or an excuse to become lazy. Well, the Lord says, the Lord says those who wait, so I'm just waiting. Listen to me, you're just lazy. That's not what that means. Because if you actually read that phrase for what it means, those who wait does not mean just to sit back and wait. It's a whole different meaning. It's actually a call to work out your faith. Those who wait, it's actually those who put on trust. Meaning that you're, you're, you're living in faith, waiting, and the Lord will renew your strength. You're, you're putting on trust in this journey and, and just waiting and knowing that the Lord will renew your strength. It doesn't mean that you just become passive and you just become lazy. And then, well, I'm just, you're going to be 10 years down the line and you're still going to be saying and quoting the same verse because you're not understanding it for what it means. And, and here's, here's Isaiah and he's reminding the children of Israel this, this one true thing because they lacked it. You've lost your trust. You've lost the walk of faith. And the Bible teaches that those who wait in trust, wait in faith, they will renew their strength. Those who wait on the Lord, meaning don't work out from your own knowledge is what he's telling them. Or from your own strength. Get your hands out of his work. Get your will out of his will and just trust, just walk out and just speak out in faith. That's what that phrase means. 
You know, I don't know if someone's, or if you've ever been this crazy enough to, to have a conversation with someone or live out before someone and they look at you and say, hey, what you're saying, what you're saying doesn't make sense, doesn't make sense with what I'm seeing. That's, that's the life we live. What we're saying doesn't make sense with, with what I'm seeing. And we look at a person like that and we say, darn right, you see, because you may see a weak and lost and broken person going through hell and weary and short of birth and maybe even betrayed. But the Bible says that those who wait, he shall renew their strength. So what I'm saying might not make sense to what you're seeing, but if I stay put and trust and have faith, the Lord will give me a fresh strength in due, in due, in due time. And that's what Isaiah is saying there. Oh, man, because, you, you know, you're saying all these things, but have you seen your house lately? You're saying all these things, but have you seen your spouse lately? You're saying all you, these things, but have you seen your account lately? You're saying all these things, but have you seen your car lately? You're saying all these things, but, uh, but have you seen where you work at lately? You're saying all these things, and, and, and we could look at them and say, you're darn right. You're darn right. You're darn right that what I'm saying does not match with what you're seeing and though I might be the image of weak and lost and broken, though I might be in hell right now, though I might feel like I'm weary, though I can't even breathe on my own, I'm short of breath, though I might have been betrayed and turned their back on me, whatever it is, you're darn right that if I continue to wait on the Lord, he will renew my strength. You want to know why, church? He is near. Amen. To who? To the weary. To the brokenhearted. To the lost. Ever felt like you're in hell? I mean, yeah, you didn't, you're not getting burned. Or any, I mean, maybe you got burned, but you know what I mean? You're not getting burned, but you feel like you're getting burned by life's fires, huh? And God just starts dancing in that with you, and God just shows up with you. You're broken, and he just starts to mend things together. You're weary, and out of nowhere, he gives you some strength. You're short of breath, and out of nowhere, he blows a life into you. Like, where did this come from? I'll tell you where it came from. Because he's never left. He's always been near. How did you get here? He's near. Hey, where are you right now? Answer that to yourself. Where are you? Where are you going to be next week? If he's near, if he's near, if he's near, you're going to continue to move on. Where are you going to be next year? If you believe this and you trust in this and you live and you walk in this faith, He's going to be near. And in a year from now, you're going to be like, you know how I made it from that last year? You know how I made it from that last week? How? I never took my eyes. He was always near to me. Come on, man. Isaiah's words. Why would you ever complain or whine saying that God has lost track of me? He doesn't care what happens to me. Don't you know anything? Listen to Isaiah's words. I'm going to read it one more time. Haven't you been listening God doesn't come and go. God lasts. He's creator of all you can see or imagine. He doesn't get tired. Praise the Lord that we don't have a God that gets tired. Amen. He doesn't pause to catch his breath. Praise God that God runs marathons. And he's like, how you feeling? I'm feeling great. I could run. Like he doesn't even get tired. He doesn't lose his breath. It says here, he doesn't pause to catch his breath. He knows everything inside and out. He gives power to the weak. Any weak people could say amen. To those who have no might. He increases strength. Ever felt just that week? You have no might. He increases strength. If you have fainted, if you are weary, if you have fallen, if you can just believe this for yourselves, that those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength, that they shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run, not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. This is a good time to just nudge the person next to you, maybe the person right around you, 
and remind them and tell them these three words that maybe they need to hear that it would rock their soul today. Just nudge them for a second. Look at them right in the eyeballs so you can see the reflection in their eyes and, and make sure you say this to them with such authority, with such love, and with such truth. Ready? Just look at them and say, he is near. Nudge them. There's no way every single person said it. Say it. He is near. Come on. Give God some praise. He deserves it. Amen. Wait on the Lord. Everyone say, wait on the Lord. You know, for some of us, for some of us, you're focused, you're focused in the wait. That, that, that whole phrase that I just described, you're focused in the wait because you've experienced his faithful delivery in times past. So you're focused on the wait. For, for some of you, this wait is an amazing opportunity for your life to demonstrate the glory of God. That when someone looks at you and says, but how the heck, if my son was here, be like, that's a bad word, but, but, but how the heck? You could look at them and say, see, I've been here before. I've gone through this before, something similar. And, and God showed that he was near. If, if you've ever gone in this journey and you've gone and you've entered into that weight in the Lord, then you're focused in it. You know who I'm talking to. You're focused in it. And you're focused in it because you've experienced it before. And you've experienced his faithfulness in it. When there was no strength in you, when there was no ability in you. Remember that moment? When you were in the deep end, when you were so lost, when you were so confused. When you were so bitter, when you were so hurt, when you were so broken, when you were so ashamed. I know this is for us. I know there's people in here. That maybe you feel like one of these things. And at one point in your life, the Lord came, he showed up. And he assured to you once again. That he is near. That he is near. And when he does that, and when he did that in times past, he increased your strength from a place of weakness, and he lifted you up now into a place of strength. He lifted you from a fallen place into a place that you're raised up. I mean, he goes on to say you're mounting up with wings of eagles. And today you are reminded that if you wait on the Lord, he will what? Hopefully you caught it already. He will renew your strength. He will renew your strength. I want to talk to you about what I was reading this week, and it's in the book of 2 Chronicles chapter 14. It's the life of Asa. And in the life of Asa, as I was reading it, God really spoke to me. And Asa becomes king. And when he becomes king in 2 Chronicles chapter 14, something very, pretty, pretty interesting in what he says, his first his first. Words that come out of his mouth. Very interesting. If you remember when our president-elect became president, everyone was glued in. What is the first words that he's going to say when he takes that podium? So here's King Asa. He takes the podium. And what are the first words that he's going to say? And we go to chapter 14 of Second Chronicles. verses. I'm going to read 2 through 5 for a moment. And, and listen, it says, Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord. And look what he started to do. He started to remove altars of the foreign gods and high places, and he broke down the sacred pillars, and he cut down the wooden images, and he commanded Judah to seek the Lord God of their fathers and to observe the law and the commandments. Verse 5. He also removed all the high places and the incense altars from all the cities of Judah, and the kingdom was quiet under him. So Asa takes the platform, and what does he begin to say? Remove every false god from Israel. 
Remove every wooden image that is not our God, every high place that is not dedicated to our Lord. And it says that when he does that in his faithfulness, there is quietness under his reign. What I want to share with you here is this. In the life of King Asa, what happened was he, be, he built in, on his life and on his reign and on his legacy a pattern. And that pattern was a pattern of success and faithfulness to God. You see, Asa could have been like the other kings. He says, well, Israel, we're going to worship our God and just ignore those other temples. Because we've done that before. Well, I serve God, but I just ignore like when my family says something that is ungodly, I, I, don't, I don't become a light and I don't use that as an open door. But whatever, we still serve God. Oh, I still serve God, but I don't take a stand in all things at all times. Asa doesn't do that. Asa says, from now on, we're going to take a stand and everything of here is going to be of our Lord God. Pretty interesting. He, he sets this pattern in his life. This is how we're going to be, and this is who I'm going to be, and this is how we're going to live out our lives. At one time, if you skip down to verse 11, there was an army. It was so large, it actually says that a million men, a million men rose up to war against Asa. That's a lot of men. Okay, a million men is a lot of men. They went to war against Asa and against his people. And what does Asa do in verse 11? He comes before the Lord. And listen to verse 11. It says, Asa cried out to the Lord his God. And he says, O Lord, no one but you can help the powerless against the mighty. Help us, O Lord our God, for we trust in you alone. It is in your name that we have come against the vast horde. You are our God. Do not let mere men prevail against you. A million men rise up to make war. And one man looks at that one million and says, we are your people, God. And don't let these mere men prevail against you. Patterns in his life. Patterns of set apart. Did you catch that there? There are those men, but then there are us. There's us. There's a million coming against us. But then there's Asa and his army that are yours, God. And, and, and whatever they come towards us with and against us with, don't let these men prevail against you. Oh, Lord, no one can help the powerless against the mighty. So help us, for we trust in you alone. Well, what is Asa doing here? He's finding strength in a moment of weakness. Does he not confess that? We're weak, but you are mighty. He's finding strength in his weakness. And I wrote this down in my notes. He's finding strength in his weight. He's finding that, that push, that strength in his weight. Strength in his faith in the Lord, who was the only one whom he knew could provide the victory. So he comes to the Lord and he says, Lord, there's a million men after me. I could come up with plans of how to trap them around the mountain area, maybe push them forward. And, push. and he doesn't do any of that. He doesn't plan anything. He waits on the Lord, and his prayer says it all. His waiting, his waiting was not laziness. His waiting was, Lord, you do the work. You do the miracle. You give the victory that me and our people need. For only you are able to do it. 
patterns in his life for success. And let me break that down a little bit more. You could wake up in the morning and uh, you get in a fight with whoever you live with. You get in a fight with whoever you live with. And then you get in your car and you're driving, you hit a ditch and pfft, your tire is flat now. So now you're late for work and when you get to work late, your boss just looks at you and he's shaking the leg and know what that means. And now I got to put up with this idiot who's going to remind me that I'm late. I know I'm late. I got in a fight at home. I ran into a ditch. My tire popped and I'm here. And now this person is reminding me that I'm late. I know I'm late. And then you get to work and everything else, it's already just one bad thing after another thing. It's very difficult for you to have a good day after that, right? I'll never forget one day I was on the way to work and I'm driving into my job, into the school where I used to work. And as I'm driving, I have a coffee in my hand. And as I'm driving, a duck happens to fly right in front of my car. I hit, I hit the duck. He hits my windshield. I'm like, oh, no. I, I freaked out. I pressed the brake. Then coffee spilled all over me. And I remember that whole day I was standing in front of the classroom and my tie had coffee stain. I was wearing like a cream-colored shirt. My leg had coffee. And every single class, when the bell would ring, they would sit down. Mr. F, you know, I go, I know. I know there's coffee on my tie. I know there's coffee on my shirt. I know there's coffee on my pants. I ran into a dock on the way over here. He ran right into my windshield. I spilled coffee all over me. I smell like coffee. It just hasn't been a good day. You know, in Asa's life, in Asa's life, he could have easily said something like, you know, Lord, I started my reign as your king well. I built healthy patterns for me and for your people, meaning that from now on we're going to worship the Lord. We're going to get rid of every false image. We're going to get rid of every wooden image. It's going to be only you, the Lord God Almighty. We're going to serve you. Everything's gone well. And then out of nowhere, just a couple verses later, um, a million men come to make war with me. I don't think that's fair, God. Isn't that crazy? How in the middle of his faithfulness, in the middle of his faithfulness, one of Asa's greatest trials, in the middle of his faithfulness, rises up against them. We're not talking about like, hey, another king got jealous. Hey, we're not, we're not talking about like some guy who had a plan, conspiracy to kill him and take him off his throne. We're talking about a million men are marching towards him. He's like, there's no way we could fight against a million men. God, what's up? I thought I was faithful to you and the children of Israel were faithful to you. But you, did, you, did, you, did you see here that Asa does not do what the children of Israel did in the passage I read before? You see, he didn't go into a place of complaining and whining. He went to a place where he went into the presence and he said, here's another one. Only you're able to do what there's no way in my weakness I'm able to do. So either you show up and you don't let these suckers prevail against me or what, but you be glorified. Lord, here it is. Did you, did you see that? Because in the good leading towards the bad, he built up a faith. He built up a pattern of life that would lead him forward. And when the roughest and the toughest and the darkest moment of his life came, he addressed it. He addressed it with that phrase, I will wait on the Lord and he will renew our strength. Can you imagine the men around him, what are we going to do? 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 Where are we going to go? Where are we going to go? Do we send men out? Do we go to war yet? Should we, should we get the fire things ready? Should we get the balls ready? Should we, should, we, should, we, should we get the slings ready? Do we polish the swords? And all he says is, I already addressed the Lord. He's going to do something. Just wait. Have trust. Believe. Have faith. He is near. He's going to show up. He, he builds up his life ready for the toughest time of his life when it comes against him. I wish I could tell you that Asa stayed like this forever. And I wish I could tell you that every single Christian and every single person that has walked into this church has left and has always been like this forever. I wish I could tell you that, ah, this is who I am. 
I build healthy patterns in my life, and I never have a bad day in my life. Ask my wife. I am the best husband. I am the best father. I am the best friend. I am the, I am the best son. I am, I am the best pastor. I am the best. That's baloney. No, there's not. There's no way. There are days when my focus is off. Anyone here could uh, admit that with me? So as time passed, Asa's in the last years of his life. And he begins to change the patterns of his life. Asa was faithful, man. People come to church and they're faithful, man. But Asa comes to a point of their, his life, at the end of his life, what a bad time to do it. Don't do it at the end of your life. Don't do it as you see the finish line. Don't do it, man. It's not worth it. And Asa comes to the end of his life. He's at the finish line. And, and something happens to him. He begins to change these, 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 these truths in his life, this faith, this trust in his life, this weight in the Lord passage. He, he changes it. He changes the patterns of his life. He was always so focused on the God that he remained near to him. But at the end of his life, Asa begins to lose focus. He begins to listen to the wrong voices. And he gives power to his circumstances rather than to his God. And it affects his life. His prayers began to change. As a matter of fact, they totally changed from that of verse 11. Maybe they became shorter. Maybe they, they became less frequent. He was aware of things before him, but he became unaware of the one who stood near to him. And, and maybe some of us in our lives, we are aware of the things that are before you. How many of you could admit that there are some things that are before you that absolutely, man, 100% just suck? There's, there's some horrible things before you, right? But in the path of confronting the horrible things before you, the greatest thing that you can do is that as that stands before you, there is one that stands near you. Asa lost that. I see what's before me, but he stopped focusing. He stopped waiting on. He stopped trusting in the one who stood near to him. So what happens automatically, subconsciously, whatever you want to call it, he, he begins to walk out in his own strength because he sees the dilemma. And what happens is, as he sees the dilemma, that begins to have power over him. And he begins to cry. He, actually, he ends crying out to God. He ends building up his life and his trust and his faith to God. And what does God do? God's not taking steps back. But, but here's Asa. And he's, and, he's, and he's just separating himself from that, from that passage of, hey, come, come and wait and renew your strength. And he changes. And look what happens in chapter 16. We're going to flip two chapters. And at the end of Asa's life, we see the change. We see that there's a different pattern. What happened to the Asa that used to go to the house of the Lord? Verse 7, let's just read it. At that time, Hanani the seer came to King Asa. And look what he tells him. Because you have put your trust in the king of Aram. Instead, in the Lord your God, you missed. Everyone say missed. Man, that's a scary thing to hear. You missed your chance. You missed your chance. You missed your chance. You should write that down. You should put that in your heart. You missed 
your because you began to trust in other things and you stopped trusting in the Lord. You what? You missed your chance. That doesn't scare some of us. You missed your chance. And he says this, to destroy the army of the king of Aram. You missed your chance to living in victory. You, you missed it because you stopped. Because you stopped trusting in the one who is near. It's a scary passage and it's a scary part of Asa's life because he's at the end of it. You would think that he would end right. But at the end of Asa's life, this man comes up to him and he gives him a word of the Lord. And he says, you began to trust in so many other things. And you forgot about the one who is near to you. And because of this, you missed your greatest chance to experience some of your greatest victory. I'm wondering if God is speaking that to some of our hearts today. There's something before you. And there's something that's in front of you. And the Lord is saying, are you going to trust me in this one yet again? Are you going to build up your life to this truth yet again? Or are you going to begin to trust in other things? Are you going to recognize that I'm near? Or are you going to draw to other things that seem closer than what I really am to you? And if you do do that, he's looking at, your, at you today and he's spoken to your heart. If you take those steps and you lose focus to the one who is near and you begin to trust in other things, Maybe for some of you, the Lord is maybe screaming it into your spirit today, screaming it in your heart today, and he's saying, you're going to miss, you're going to miss your chance of great victory. How many of you, there's something in front of you, the Lord is saying, I'm near, I'm right there, I'm right beside you, I'm right there, I am near to you. Believe that I am near. Don't start to focus on other things, don't start to trust in other strengths. And as you continue to live in this pattern of faithfulness, you're going to experience a great victory in your life. But if you make a decision today to go off track and to not focus that I am near, you're going to miss your chance. And that might be that person you're praying for. And that might be that miracle that you're asking for. That might be that thing that you're so close to, but just because you quit on it today, it was right around the corner and you did not know it because you've been praying for it for years, but it was going to come tomorrow. But because you changed the pattern of your life today, you might miss your chance for great victory in your life. No longer was it about waiting on the Lord for him, the one who shall renew his strength. But here, Asa reverses the pattern of his life, the covenant that he had with the Lord and he began to have faith and he put his trust in man rather than trust, rather than faith, rather than focus and wait on the Lord who is near. In 2 Chronicles chapter 16, 8 and 9, as we keep reading, look what it says. The man tells Asa, don't you remember what happened to the Ethiopians? Don't you remember what happened to the Libyans and their vast army with all their chariots and all their charioteers? At the time that you relied on the Lord and he handed them over to you, don't you, don't you remember the faithfulness of God? 
Don't you remember how God was present? Don't you remember how God answered? Don't you remember that God was near? Look at verse 9. For the eyes of Yahweh, for the eyes of the Lord, they roam throughout the earth to show himself strong for those whose hearts are completely in him. You've been foolish in this matter, he tells them. Therefore, you have wars from now on. That's the verse this week that rocked my heart. When, when, when the man tells him the Lord's eyes roam around the earth and he wants to what? Show himself strong to the ones whose trust is completely in him. Did you get that? The Lord wants to show off in you. If you continue to trust in him, he's going to show off. He's going to show up. He's going to show the world that in your life, He's near. He's roaming around the earth and he's looking. One day Satan came to him and said, Satan, what are you doing? What are you doing in my presence? I'm just walking around the earth and there's not a man that I could tempt. And the Lord says, he roamed around the earth and he said, have you considered my servant Job? Well, Lord, you know that if no man can touch him, you put a hedge of protection around him. Go. Go and do what you need to do. You can harass him. You can take whatever you want from him. You just can't take his life. And you know what he does? He destroys Job's life. He kills seven of his children. He goes bankrupt. He grows boils all over his body. He becomes sick to death. His three best friends become his three greatest enemies. His wife begins to curse him and just curse God and die. And Job remains strong. Job remains faithful. Job remains on the path. And you know what that scripture reminds me of? The Lord's eyes are on the earth. And he wants to show his strength to those who trust in him completely. And you know what happens to Job? God flexes his muscles. God flexes his glory. Job comes out of his distress and God blesses him with much more. You know why? Because Job's confrontations was not greater than the God that stood near to him. He stayed faithful. God honored that. And I believe that the eyes of the Lord roam still today in 2017. And they're roaming through the earth. And I believe this, that they're on us now. I'm going to get ready to end. And as I get ready to end, I know this as truth. That he wants to show himself strong. How many of you in your life right now, God needs to just show himself strong? And I believe that. He wants to show himself strong, but, but it's for those who, whose hearts are completely in him. That he is near. To those who wait on the Lord, he shall renew their strength. The Lord is whispering to your heart today, I'm near. I'm right here, right next to you. In Philippians chapter 4, Verse 6 and 7, Paul writes, do not worry about anything. You know what he's saying there? Wait on the Lord. But in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your request be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. How many of you can say Amen. In Psalm 34, 18, the psalmist writes, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted. I end with this. And as I end, I'm going to ask you just to stand with me as we get ready just to close off. In 2 Corinthians 12, 
I'm going to read verses 9 and 10 for a moment. And it's a reminder of Paul's words. Paul says this to the church of Corinth. He says, so now I am glad. I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. He said, that's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses. That's why I take pleasure in my insults, in my hardships, in my persecutions, in my troubles that I suffer for Christ. But then Paul says something. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You know that right before this in verse 8, the Lord tells Paul, yeah, my strength is made perfect in weakness. I love how one translation puts verse 9 and 10. One translation says it this way. Once I heard the Lord say, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. Paul says, I was glad to let it happen. I quit focusing on the handicap. And I began appreciating the gift. The heck does that mean? That means that Asa would look at a million men that are out against him. And instead of calling that a handicap against him, he would look at a million men that are against him, his greatest problem. And he would look at that as a gift, as a gift for the Lord to show off his strength. And that only happens when we come to the understanding that the Lord remains near. He is near. He is near. What Paul is, is saying in this passage is I changed the pattern of my thought. I have changed the pattern of my life and what I was going to focus on. How many of you can confess that the pattern of your life has changed and then you've substituted phrases for it? Oh, I'm just, I'm just, I don't know, you fill it in. I'm just real. Oh, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just going through a season. Oh, I'm just hurt. Oh, I'm just. And we, and we, we give, sometimes we use really cool phrases so that people could look at us and oh, I'll be praying for you, sister. Oh, I'll be praying for you, brother. The reality is you're not just nothing. The, the truth is you've just lost your focus and you've changed the pattern of your life. And a million prayers could be offered but you got to make a decision and say when I face these things I'm going to adjust the pattern of my life and I begin, I'm going to begin to walk the way God's called me to walk and I'm going to make things right and I'm going to recognize that he is near and put my trust in him like I used to do back then all the other excuses flush them down the toilet throw them out Paul comes and he's like, I changed the way I thought. The pattern of my life, what I was going to focus on, I changed it. I quit focusing on the things that were happening to me. And I began to appreciate them instead. How many of you are really going through it? Appreciate it. Because you want to know one of the greatest ways that you could show your faith in Christ when you go through it. And Christ's strength 
wants to be manifested in you. You've been praying for that, haven't you? How many of you have prayed for this? God, show me your glory. God, show me more of you. Lord, let me be a testimony. Lord, let me win someone for you. How many of you prayed that? So what does God say? Awesome, I'm going to do it. And the way I'm going to do it is, come on, let's, let's walk into hell together. Lord, I don't want to go to church anymore. Lord, I don't want to serve you anymore. Lord, I don't want to pray no more. I don't want to read the word no more. What do you mean? I thought you wanted for me to show you my strength. Sometimes you got to walk into hell with me so you could see that my strength is near always. We're praying for things. And when the gift comes, we look at it as a curse. How about this, church? What you're going through is not a curse. What you're going through is a gift for God to show himself faithful and strong and to tell the world, look what they're going through. And yet, I am near. Thought about that. Lord, why would you allow this to happen to me? Because you've been praying for it. You've been asking for it. You wanted more of your glory. More of the glory. More of my glory. You wanted it. And if you wanted more of my glory, I'm going to take you to places where it will manifest and it will show itself to you and to others around you. And I will show you again and I will show the world again that I am near to those whose hearts are completely in me. Come on, what you've been praying for, God's answered it with your curse that's actually a gift. He is near. No more excuses. No more but only if. Flush it down. Get rid of it. Look at it as a gift and let God, God glorify himself in it. How many of you could say amen? He is near. He is near. He is near. He is near. Psalm 145, 18 says the Lord is near to all who call on him. To all who call on him in truth. I believe this passage. Second Chronicles. For the eyes of the Lord roam throughout the earth to show himself strong for those whose hearts are completely in him. How many of you are ready to just walk into this life and say, I'm going to change the pattern. I'm going to change the way I look at it. Yes, I ran into a duck. That would have been an amazing title message. Running into ducks. Yes, I spilled coffee all over the clothes that was pressed and ironed and cologne. It smells so good. Now I smell like coffee. Yes, everything just started off bad. But how about right in that, a shift in our mindset. And then we say, oh, God is definitely up to something good today because if all this is happening then God is planning something beautiful God is preparing something great God is near even if I killed the duck and even if the coffee spilled all over me 
oh, this is going to be a great day and a great opportunity to show that He is near. How many of you need that in your lives? He is near. He is near. This is what I want to do as we sing a song. Open up your hearts. Confess that to the Lord. And say, Lord, I know you're near. Change the way it all happens in me. Change it that I will not see it as a curse, but that I will see it as a gift. It's up to you guys. Do it. Ask for it. Ask the Lord to transform that in you. Worship.